We all wish we could talk to animals. As it turns out, we can. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley explores the nature of interspecies communication. What are our animals trying to tell us? Animals commune through love, a force that opens all doors. Listening to them teaches us how to be better humans. Why? We can trust them to tell us the deepest truth about who we are and how one can grow into a more powerful version of self. Laura shares over 20 years of stories and wisdom learned from her work as an animal communicator in this hard and thought-provoking show. Welcome to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. I'm your host, Laura, and you can join Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on Syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. I'm on every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen online or on your mobile devices. So thanks for joining me on this January day, wherever you are. If it's morning, noon, or night, I don't know, but welcome. It's it's nice to be joining uh, 2024 together. Uh, so, like a lot of people this time of year, I'm wondering about resolutions and what they mean to me and what I want to accomplish with my own life. I've had some changes, and um, with changes, you have to kind of reassess and rebalance your life. I moved to a different state. Uh, I moved to the state of Maine. So I want to tell you that I have new contact information. So for those of you that use me regularly uh, as an animal communicator or a medium, a life coach, all those things I do, workshops, um, new contact information. So my new phone number is 207-449-5955. I'm going to repeat that. Um, It's 207-449-5955. And that will connect you to a voicemail system that Karen, my assistant, will be checking several times a day. And the other way to reach her is kcline2011 at gmail.com. So that's kklein2011 at gmail.com. It's a funny thing. I've had the same phone number for all of my clients I've carried it with me through one, two, three, five different residences. Um, so it was hard to sort of let go of my old phone number. It was kind of funny. You get attached to these things that you get attached to in life. Um, a quick identification. And then people that sometimes people don't talk to me very frequently, maybe every few years when they get a new dog or when they have a new problem with a horse. Uh, and so they would look up the old number on the old sheets I used to send out and find me. So now it kind of made me realize that part of your identity gets associated with numbers and email accounts. And I thought, oh, I'm entering 2024, sort of leaving a whole piece of myself behind because that number uh, just couldn't follow me due to sort of the dysfunction of the phone companies. I couldn't keep my old number. So I have a new number. It's 207-449-5955. And uh, Karen, my, assist, my assistant, will hook you up with an appointment if you call and leave a message, or you can email her at kcline2011 at gmail.com. So with the new idea of new resolutions and in the new year, I've had a lot of things that I've put to rest behind me, and a lot of contemplation goes into when you make a big move to another state or to a new career, even launching into a new year, it's thought-provoking. 
it's exhausting, but once you get over the exhausted part, you start to think a little bit more about what you want it to look like, almost like you have had old canvases in your life that have been full of paint or appointments or ideas or people, and now all of a sudden you have new canvases that are blank. What am I going to put on them, we say to ourselves? What should this look like? It can be kind of scary, and it also can be pretty exciting. So the, the tricky thing, I think, about resolutions is to keep that very piece in mind that you don't want to make your resolution be a drag. You want it to feel like the excitement of a blank, blank canvas or a fresh start or whatever sort of analogy resonates with you. And certainly you're bringing all your old stuff with you when you start out a new year. But this New Year stuff, we could say, oh, what a bunch of nonsense. You know, it's just the same as it was December 31st is November 1st and bah humbug and I don't need to make resolutions. And certainly you don't need to make resolutions. It's true. If that's how you feel, then you shouldn't is my point. <laughs> um, but if you're thinking, hmm, I want to create some changes in my life that will make me happier, then that's the right platform to pick to talk about resolutions. That's the way to talk yourself into some new results, some new things that mean something to you that you're going to honor for the next year because that's really what a resolution is. It's something that you feel strongly or determined about so you're resolving yourself to um, owning it, adopting it, making it a piece of your life. So I use the word resolving. I like words. I went to school. I even went to college for literature. Like I really like words. So if you think of the word resolve, so it means to resolve, S-O-L-V, to solve a solution. That's what solving something is. So our resolutions are really about resolving old issues or resolving, reconsidering our issues. Whenever we re-anything, whenever we use the prefix R-E, we're looking back at what we've or am I thinking this differently? Am I going to solve this puzzle of my life, my happiness, what it is I want in my life? Am I going to solve it in a different way? Oh, resolutions. Uh, because I've talked about this before, it's so critical for the success of your, of your resolution to really understand what it is you're bringing to the table for yourself when you make a resolution. In other words, it has to mean something to you and only you. When you look up New Year's resolutions, like on Google or a search engine, it talks about how few people actually complete their resolutions by the end of their year. Um, one big article said that some people, as little as 9% of people, feel they actually made a resolution and completed it throughout the year. 9%. So my suggestion with this show is that's a tiny amount of happiness that you're sending forward if it's only 10% of what you really wanted to do. Or is it maybe such a low number under 9%, which apparently is common, most people said that they felt that they achieved less than 10% of their goals. It's because maybe we're making goals incorrectly or from the wrong angle, an angle that really just doesn't work for resolutions. It's not a successful way to make a resolution. 
So I got thinking about that because I've been busy restarting my own life and making my own resolutions as I enter this new exciting part of my life. And so many resolutions, it seems to me, I notice I'll start a sentence myself with, oh, I really should go do that. So we'll pick an obvious one. I really should go exercise. I think that's one that all of us would feel better and healthier if we did that. But you tend to feel sorry for yourself if you have to go do it or it feels like a mountain you have to go climb. Not a gentle slope that's fun and exciting. You think, yay, I'm going to go to the gym. You think, oh, i got to go do this thing. So well, I don't know why we do that to ourselves. And that's kind of what I got thinking about for myself. So these are some of my reflections because so many of the animals and the people that I work with show me so much about this that is just pure wisdom. It's cool stuff. So I wanted to share that with you today. Um, so when you're making a resolution, we're going to use the idea of getting more exercise, getting fit. So we think in 2024, my example would be uh, I should get fit this year. So notice I've used the word should. I should get fit. So already I'm in trouble because <laughs> I haven't really brought it from a place of joy or happiness. I didn't say I want to invite fitness into my life or I want to get fitter. I want to feel better in my body. Instead, I, said, I thought I should get fit. And I think a lot of us, no matter what it is for your resolution, start that way. And it's a it's a good way to fail because <laughs> we're saying we ought to do something versus we want to do something. And then it becomes you against the world, you against the schedule, you against time, you against the scale. In other words, you set yourself up for struggle. And then your ego said, I can do this. I'm determined. I'm going to make myself do this even though it's a struggle. And I don't know. Then it's just a struggle. So do we really want our resolutions to be a struggle? That is a good question to ask yourself, I think. Animals tend not to struggle. They tend to do what feels good because they want to. So that's why I suggested in my title, let your pet help you with your New Year's resolution. I'm going to tell you more about that in a moment. But back to the resolution. Here's the idea. I should get fit. So we pick this sort of negative thing to think about. I should be getting fitter. Hmm. And it's probably true. We'd be healthier, we'd live longer, and we'd feel better if we got fitter. So it's not wrong to say I should be fit or I should get fit, but it maybe is not the most effective way to have a, a, a productive resolution with yourself. Because this is where it can sort of lead to, is you start to think about, well, why should I get fit? And then, you know, oh, here's some ideas. Oh, I'm supposed to exercise. Um, and maybe I wish I weighed less. If I were fitter, I would, you know, I'd be slimmer, be more efficient body mass. And also, maybe I should exercise because it seems other people do this. I noticed other people running by the side of the road, riding their bikes. I don't ever do that. I don't really want to do that. I joined a gym last year and I went six times and didn't complete my membership. So you start to drag in all this stuff where you failed whenever you work from a position of I should. Here's another example. My doctor tells me that on my entry form whenever I go for my yearly exam, how much do you exercise? Because it says 
when he talks to you that you really should be getting two to three exercises that are cardiovascular and you should be getting this amount that are daily exercises and you should, you should, you should. So you're weighing yourself against what the doctor now thinks is what you should do. Another thing we tend to do is we see advertisements for gyms or yoga classes and there's this beautiful person who's a model looking wonderful in their exercise clothes and we think oh, I should be doing that I should join a yoga class why don't I, why I said I was gonna do that last year so whenever we start to do comparisons with other people's authority our doctors peer groups other people that we see that we imagine can judge us like the beautiful model that's on the Facebook page wearing a lovely yoga outfit uh, whenever we start to weigh ourselves against someone else, it just becomes a bummer. It's not, you know, our ego gets depressed. We didn't do it. And we're the only ones that matter, not what everybody else thinks about us. And that's the important piece here. Now, if we say, I'd like to get fit because my pants are too tight, <laughs> or um, famous, successful people do this, and I want to imitate them as a path to success for myself. Well, those are at least reasons that you're adapting those ideas to your idea of what you want. But generally, the reason we fail, I think, is because we're not really owning it with, I want to do it, with a desire to actually do it. And when you think about those things of I should get fit, my doctor always asks me how much I exercise and I kind of lie on my piece of paper <laughs> every year about how much I do. Whenever we think like that, we start to really just go into this chain of thought that doesn't really help with your resolution. It doesn't inspire you. So part of a resolution is uh, to feel a firm decision to do something, to be determined so you need to inspire yourself. So that might be talking yourself into wording it in a way that just feels more inspirational. So something like, I want to feel good in my clothes. I have beautiful clothes, and I, and I know I don't feel really great in them because they're kind of tight. So I'll feel really good if I, if I just get a little more exercise in. So positively nudging yourself into it it's super helpful. And I think that this is something probably a lot of people this time of year think about. Different gurus talk about it. Psychologists talk about it. Because we're suggesting that to be determined, you have to want something really for the intrinsic value that that thing has for, your, for you. You have to want it. So when we throw in things like guilt, I didn't go again this week in my exercise class, shame, I weigh another six pounds more than I weighed last year. Self-criticism. I thought if I bought all, spent all this money on these nice clothes, I'd actually go run in my nice clothes, but it turns out I sit on the couch in them more than I run in them. So whenever we start to do that, we're basically not making anything intrinsically valuable to ourselves, so there's just no reason to complete the task because it becomes a task. So motivation really doesn't come from making, I think, a list that you have to tackle that involves struggle. I think motivation comes from desire. It implies that you're honoring who you are because you want to do it. 
And boy, just if, imagine if we spent our lives just doing things because we wanted to do them. What a great life, right? So I think your resolutions have to get thoughtfully processed this week into making sure that they are actually things that motivate you because they motivate you in the department of self-love. Because you want your life to be easy. And it's kind of a myth we make, I believe, that has to do with conquering or overcoming obstacles as a path towards success. Because after all, when we make a resolution, we're just really looking to be successful in our lives, right? But what if we don't have to make it be about struggle and and hardship? What if we could just go, well, that's just so much easier than not doing it, so of course I'm going to do it. And I think that's how animals think. They tend to uh, run, bark, play, buck, purr. They just do all that stuff because it comes naturally and it's easy. Not because they thought, oh, I have to do these things to make sure I'm enough or make sure I've completed enough or I've pleased enough people or I'm sure I've done all I can do to be the best kid I can be, the best dog I can be, the best horse. They don't, they don't think that way. They just stay in the flow of the energy of an idea. When they're barking and the wind is blowing and their ears are flopping, the dog thinks I'm happy. So our trick has to be to make sure that whatever you adopt as your exercise or your resolution feels that way to you. And maybe you have to give yourself a little push to get off the couch if it is about something like exercise. But once you get going, it should feel pretty good to go do it. And so then the next time you think, well, that wasn't so bad and my pants do fit better. (laughs) Maybe I'll go do it again today. Now, I use exercise because it's a good analogy with animals, right? Because they tend to run and play. Um, But I think that this holds true of any resolution that we make. Uh, If it's not based in some sort of a enfolding joy into the activity, then why bother? Right. So I'm going to stick with the exercise as a, as a kind of simple example because it's, it's so relevant to the animals. And it's so relevant really to our own, it's all so relevant to our own happiness. I mean, when we exercise, we, there's a million health benefits and a lot of emotional benefits. We just feel so much better when we do. So I'm going to continue to use that example as I talk a little bit more now about kind of a fun exercise you can do that involves using your animal, your pet, whatever your animal is to you, whatever, when I say that, whatever that means. Um, and imagine you gave the resolution to your animal that you're considering having for yourself for the next year. So here's the, here, we should exercise in 2024, you say to your dog. <laughs> and then you say to the dog, what, would, what do you say to that? We're going to exercise in 2024 because we should. Hmm. Do you usually have to talk your dog into exercising? We should do this? No. Usually you jingle your keychain, you pick up a leash, you put your hand on the doorknob at the same time of the day, and they fly off the couch, they run from wherever they are to join you to exercise. And all you say to them is you want to go for a walk? Want to go for a run? Want to go play ball? And of course, their answer is almost always yes. So it's kind of a a no-brainer for them. 
and they don't have the same brains that we do. I mean, they're not exactly like us. But what if we could just take their simplicity and be more like that? And we say to ourselves, we invite ourselves, let's go for a walk. You want to go for a walk? And you find yourself, oh, I don't want to. I don't have the right clothes on. It's going to rain. Mm, I have a little headache today. I have got a lot of work. I've got to catch up on my emails. Maybe later. But what if we just stop that hesitation, just like your dog. The minute you pick up the leash, they're at the door going, yeah, baby, let's go. They're wagging their tail. So don't hesitate. Be more simple. It's our human nature to analyze because we're intelligent creatures. We do have a frontal lobe that dogs don't have. So keep your frontal lobe out of it. <laughs> just go do it and have fun with it. So make sure you write into your resolutions the idea that whatever I resolve to do is going to be so fun that it's super easy for me to say yes to it. So if you hate mountain biking, don't make that be part of your exercise program just because somebody else told you you should do that. Or your husband bought you a mountain bike. Or your friends all go. If you don't like it, just go pick something gentler. Maybe you want to go do ballet. Then make yourself an agreement, a resolve to find a ballet class. Be more you and less about what everybody else expects. And the moment you start to hesitate about being you, you'll discover it's not it's not so easy to say no to just being you. The dog doesn't say, no, that's not for me. I'm not, a, I'm not that kind of dog. I don't go for walks. I'm a different kind of dog. The dog goes, yes, you've picked a thing that I love to do. I love to walk. Easy to say yes to things that are actually about who you are, right? Because you desire them, not because you ought to do them. So, you're listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on Syndicated Dream Vision Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining me. Some more stories coming up. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley is an intuitive show created for you to learn what it's like to talk to animals. Laura shares 20 years of experiences of being a pet psychic and healer every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, media partner for the Omega Institute. Our beloved animals share our lives and have amazing insights into our well-being, providing us with opportunities for personal growth once we truly begin to listen. It's fun to use animal wisdom to enhance our emotional and spiritual world. Who better than our furry friends to teach us the wisdom born of unconditional love? What if your dog, cat, or horse could help you with your love life? What would they suggest? It's fun to think about and a wonderful way to conduct yourself. After all, animals know well how to love and invite us to love them unconditionally. That's a pretty great way to live life. Animals always communicate with our highest good as their central focus, even when sometimes we feel stymied or frustrated with their behavior. Visit laurarowleyhealer.com to book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading. Laura's readings and workshops help you find the part of you that's able to tune in and connect to your amazing animals. Laura Rowley believes we can all understand by listening differently. Book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading now by going to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. 
Quantum Jumps presents a radical new paradigm that we exist in an interconnected holographic multiverse in which we literally jump from one parallel universe to another. In a moment, you can become smarter, more confident, happier, more outgoing, more effective, in better relationships with more willpower. When you sense a new connection to another possible you, living the life you'd prefer, immerse yourself naturally into that new state of being. And voila, you've made a quantum jump. Supported by scientific research, Quantum Jumps is an inspirational book backed with practical tools to help you live a happier, more prosperous life. Learn more at quantumjumps.com. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back. Hi, everyone. This is Laura Rowley, and you are listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. I'm on every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen online or you can put your mobile devices. You can go into the archives and listen to old shows. It's, it's all there. It's free. It's fun, educational, and hopefully inspiring. <laughs> so we're talking about the inspiration of resolutions uh, in 2024. And I was suggesting that animals live kind of a simpler, cleaner way of doing what they want to do because they just decide it's what they are. They don't distinguish between, um, I'm a dog, therefore I should run. They say, I'm a dog and I love to run. So they connect their essence with what they love to do. And I think if we could do that better as people, we would be better at following through on our resolutions and feeling satisfied that we turn pages in our lives, recreating blank slates that feel fun and adventurous for us. We don't drag all the old stuff forward. They, animals sometimes can do that, but they can easily get, you can easily get them out of doing that. With us, it can be a lot of work to get yourself out of it. I mean, every year we write all these resolutions, and apparently most of us are not successful most of the time. <laughs> so it it just shouldn't be that hard is what I'm trying to say. Okay. So um, how do animals do that? How, do they, how are they so good at this? Well, they connect with their own bodies really well. They feel better when they move, for instance. They connect with us really well. They don't say, oh, I'm kind of mad at you today, so I'm not going to go for a walk. Or you, you didn't do the errands I asked you to ask and you hurt my feelings yesterday, so I'm not going to go for a walk with you. They say, oh, it's you. I love you. There you are. Yeah, of course I'll go for a walk. So they connect very readily with their own bodies, with us. They stay present. Now, all of us have had the experience of packing a bag and your dog is mad because, or your cat, and they get in a suitcase because they didn't go with you. And they might actually 
give you the cold shoulder for a couple of days after you get home, right? But they pretty much forget it within days. Unlike people who might hold a grudge, want to get in a fight, feel like we've got to really discuss it. They were hurt. It upset them. They're over it. Yes, of course, I'll go for a walk with you. It's a good way to live, right? Forget all their grudges and nonsense. <clears throat> Say, uh, they weren't in a good space that day. I wasn't in a good space that day. We pissed each other off. <laughs> now let's just move forward. Blank slate. So every day becomes, a, becomes kind of a blank slate, which is kind of exciting. It's a drag to drag around all your old stuff. I didn't exercise yesterday. Those pants are still too tight, I tell myself. Well, so what? Today's a new day. So stay present. It's, it's a secret to a lot of peacefulness and a lot of feeling joyful and happiness in your life by staying present, not dragging up the old past, which are often reasons why we can't do our resolutions. Every day is a new moment, a new way to express who you are and what you enjoy. I like the idea, I like the word delight. So if you take delight in what you do, feel how good that feels. The word's, it's a great word, delight. It means filling it with light. So there's no deciding, analyzing, procrastinating. When you enjoy something, you're taking delight in it. So when you add it to your life, it doesn't feel like a resolution. It just feels like delight. So you can participate readily and effortlessly because you stay in flow. And I think animals know a lot about flow. That's the idea of being present is you feel like you're in flow. So we surround ourselves lots of times with happy animals. And people, hopefully. <laughs> and happy animals flow because they're just being themselves. They're being who they are. And if your 2024 resolutions embrace just being yourself, think how easy that would be. Just be yourself. Mm -hmm. So, I always hear all these juicy stories about animals and their people, and they're just so educational for me to continue to um, do this work. It's really amazing for me because... I am given constant reminders all the time from my clients and their animals about what it means to be in delight or to enjoy something because people tend to call me because somehow they're worried about whether or not they're influencing their animal's lives happily or the animal is showing some sort of disease process or behavioral change, which seems to indicate they've fallen out of alignment with flow or with delight. So smart people, they think, hmm, that's showing me something's wrong. I want to fix it. So they get right on it. So many ways to get right on it, but one way is to call an animal communicator, which is what I do for a living. And they phone me, and we start chatting about it with the animal. The very animal that's trying to tell you something is wrong is a good source of wisdom. So I spoke with, uh, recently, I spoke with Lynn, and uh, we were talking to her border collie. And um, her border collie is a total rock star. His name is Dizzy, and he's hard to beat in a whole region of the United States at agility. He's gained all these points, and he's a champion at agility. And she wanted to be sure that everything was 
appropriately handled in his world and that he still liked doing this. This was a passion for her to go to these agility contests. She had tons of friends she did it with. And she wanted to make sure it wasn't too much of a stress on Dizzy as he got older. And what did he think about the old thing? And a lot of people always want to know, is there any place that my animal hurts that I'm not aware of? Um, so. 25 minutes of questions to Dizzy about his food, his training techniques, does he like to exercise in the morning, would he rather go out in the afternoon, um, 25 minutes of that. So we clicked off all of Lynn's list, which was very thoughtfully presented and good questions to Dizzy. At the end of it, Dizzy kind of, it's funny, I see pictures of them that may not actually look like the dog, but it's the facial expressions a dog might make. So he did the equivalent of a person sort of shrugging their shoulders and rolling their eyes, like a little bit of a, oh brother, more questions. Um, and I said, well, you don't really want to answer these questions, do you? And he wags his tail, I see him. So I told Lynn, I said, it seems like he's happy about everything you're doing with him. He seems a little bored with this train of thought. So do you mind if I just stop with your questions and ask him how he feels about everything? So she said, oh, good idea. Um, and so anyway, Dizzy told me that he loved running. And the second thing he loved was being hers. He loved being Lynn's. And so his job as an agility dog was running and being Lynn's because she commanded him in the, in the agility course. And so what more could he want in the world? Like, isn't that beautiful? It makes me want to cry still thinking about it. Like, that is everything. They get to embrace love, you, and something they love doing. So he's saying, "My, you know, I'm totally fulfilled. Stop worrying about all this other stuff. As a human, please. Now, we got laughing at that, Lynn and I, because it was pretty funny, because it was so dizzy, because the minute she gets him out of his crate to get him to run for his classes, I mean, he's like a greyhound. He just shoots out and does all those obstacles. And that's why he was a rock star and why he's so successful because he's got a passion for it. He's really fast and he enjoys being in his body. So he showed me that feeling of it is so great to be this fast and this good. And tell Linda, not worry because that's everything I want. And if I get hurt or I get a little banged up doing it, well, I don't want to not do it. So there you go. It, it made Lynn feel really happy and at peace to know also that he just wanted to be hers. Um, because she did it because she just wanted to be his. Uh, another good story, I spoke to uh, Bentley, a fancy, fancy dog. He was a show dog, uh, like highest end show dog. Um, he was in one of the terrier classes and he was beautifully bred, a perfect physique, beautiful coat, handsome, handsome dog. And um, the disappointed owner is who called me. Her name is Amy. And Amy said to me, he growls the whole time before we go in the ring. We're there at these prestigious shows, places like Westminster. And there's my very fancy dog with his handler. He has a professional handler. And he's growling at all the other dogs and other people and we have to keep him off to the side. And now we're even getting worried that if we take him into the ring, you know, we don't want him growling at the judge. Um, so what is he trying to tell us? She, she wanted to know. Um, so she was really embarrassed by his behavior. Uh, and I told him that. I told Bentley that. 
So he said, well, it's just so overwhelming. There's lights. We have to stand in the line. You blow my hair dry beforehand. There's other dogs that are nervous. You're nervous. There's too much sound echoing in those big buildings and those big stadiums and theaters. Uh, I'm kind of a private dog. And so I don't mind if for a couple minutes once I'm out there and I have to be looked at by the judge because it's only for a couple minutes, but do we have to do this whole day and a half of preparation? I am so exhausted by the time I get to the ring. I don't even want to do this anymore because he's a private dog. So I told Amy that and she had thinking about it. She said, well, it's true actually. When we have dinner at night, we feed him, we eat ourselves. He goes in the other room and lays down next to the fire and is totally quiet for the evening. Um, when my kids are home from school, they have music on. Uh, he never wants to be in the room where there's a lot of sound. He does take himself to his bed in another room. So the more she got thinking about it, she goes, well, we think of him as a show dog, so we just think that he knows what to do at a show, but it, we never really thought that it actually bugged him to be around all this stimulation. So she wanted to apologize to him for being uh, imposing that on him. And... Um, I said to her, well, maybe, you know, think about your resolutions. Like, why do you need to have a dog that, you know, has titles if his whole goal is to be private? Then maybe you have a dog that you're asking to be a performer that isn't really a great performer. You either have to shorten the performance down and make him more comfortable, and we thought of a bunch of ways to do that for her, or maybe find a different dog if, you, if it means so much to you that your goal is to take a private dog and turn him into a public performer. So we thought about that for a while. She was embarrassed and told the dog that. She goes, I can't believe I imposed it on her. But it turns out, as I could see as we were talking, Amy was raised by a father that denied her her own feelings of who she was. So if there was something that was hard for you to do or you didn't like doing it, like you were shy about doing a presentation in class, he insisted that you then go take a class on oral presentations in college or become a public speaker. You were not to be freaked out by your weakness. You were to overcome it. It was supposed to be hard life, or you weren't living. So Amy, Amy learned a lot from Bentley saying, well, I'm a private dog. What the heck? I don't want to go be a public dog. And she said, well, it's not worth it to me either. I love this creature. I don't want to you know, torture him. And you know, we all kind of cried a little bit about it. It was very moving because Amy realized that for her whole life, she only did stuff because her, there was almost the voice of her father in her ear, like, if it's not hard, you're not trying and you're not really living. So back to my initial point, you know, why not pick resolutions that are really in keeping with who you are and what you want and let the ghosts of your past stay in the back seat, stay in the rear view mirror, get them out of your present life. And remember, ah, oh, my dad believed that. That was his life, maybe. He raised me that way. It's going to be my inclination. But my resolution for my future, how I'm going to fill my blank canvas, doesn't have anything to do with that. I'm doing it on a different basis. I'm going to be delighted with what I do. Bentley was delighted with the quiet of his fireplace and peacefulness in a family life. He didn't want to go be a show dog. So she said, I'm going to honor that. I don't even want to go show anymore, and I'm not getting a puppy. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Bentley, tell him that he means everything to me. So it was, it was a happy, definitely a happy resolution there. So thank you for joining me. I'll be back shortly. This is Animal Connections with Laura Rowley, and I am on every 9 on Fridays, a.m. and p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you. 
What if your dog, cat, or horse could help you with your love life? What would they suggest? It's fun to think about and a wonderful way to conduct yourself. After all, animals know well how to love and invite us to love them unconditionally. That's a pretty great way to live life. Animals always communicate with our highest good as their central focus, even when sometimes we feel stymied or frustrated with their behavior. Visit laurarowleyhealer.com to book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading. Laura's readings and workshops help you find the part of you that's able to tune in and connect to your amazing animals. Laura Rowley believes we can all understand by listening differently. Book a workshop or private long-distance phone reading now by going to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. Animal Connections with Laura Rowley is an intuitive show created for you to learn what it's like to talk to animals. Laura shares 20 years of experiences of being a pet psychic and healer every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, media partner for the Omega Institute. Our beloved animals share our lives and have amazing insights into our well-being, providing us with opportunities for personal growth once we truly begin to listen. It's fun to use animal wisdom to enhance our emotional and spiritual world. Who better than our furry friends to teach us the wisdom born of unconditional love? Are miracles real? Can you move from mayhem to miracles? 30 prominent authors say yes as they share their high fives and down lows of challenges, abuse, addiction, and love. Experience hope, the magic elixir of miracles, through the personal stories of New York Times bestselling authors James Redfield, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Sister Jenna, Reverend Temple Hayes, and many more. If you like bestsellers, chaos to clarity, and crappy to happy, you'll love crying and laughing through Mayhem to Miracles, sacred stories of transformational hope, available now on Amazon and in bookstores worldwide. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe. Relax and enjoy. Let life flow. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Laura Rowley, and you are listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. I'm your host for this segment, and we are talking about resolutions, what you should put into them and what makes them juicy and what makes them work. I think animals teach us a lot about that because they tend to do what they want to do, not what they ought to do. So I'm saying that your resolutions actually should be based on what you want to do, not what you ought to do, right? Uh, Sort of a counterexample to the one I just told, the story I just told, is a story about a pony named Harry. I don't know what his fancy, he had a fancier name than Harry as a show pony, but I I I don't usually pay attention to the fancy names. When I do the work I do, I just ask the person, well, what do you call him? So they called this pony Harry, he was this beautiful gray pony with big black eyes, you know, a long mane, adorable. His job was to go to horse shows with his owners who were little girls, and they took him in several classes every weekend, most weekends, because the kids just loved showing, and um, the parents liked to go, and it was like the family thing to do with these two little girls. And so they were worried. The mom said, we do, we ask a lot of Harry. He babysits the kids, I'll, I'll all weekend, and then all summer, and now we're thinking of taking him to Florida. 
and having to be with us for the winter and showing down there. Is this too much or how's Harry feeling? So Harry um, immediately comes on almost like he's flirting with me, like he's blinking his eyes a lot. He's cocking his little white head with his little tiny cute ears. And he's sort of, I don't know, like acting like he's um, a model or something. He's showing me this side of his face and that side of his face and how nice the bridal looks on him. So I'm telling the woman that owns him all about this. And um, then he's showing me how cute the little two girls are. One has long hair with braids. The other one has darker hair that's shorter. So I'm relaying all this. She goes, how is he telling you all this? I said, well, he just sees himself in this role so readily that it's just part of like his reality. Um, no extra thought has to come from that. So whenever they feel things intensely as a, as a psychic or an animal communicator, I get the information faster. So he's showing me all this and mostly he has a little trouble with his feet. He didn't really like how his front feet had been shod. Uh, they felt a little uncomfortable. It had put pressure on his knees. So he told me all that stuff in like the first I don't know, four minutes of talking. So we talked about what they could do with the shoes that maybe would be helpful if they conferred with a specialist about it, changed the approach they were currently using. And then I said, you know, Harry, they just mostly want to know if you like what you're doing on top of these physical things. They're going to, of course, take care of that, get the right changes made. Um, And he said, well, you know, I love to be admired. (laughs) I'm really cute and I know it. And um, that's what I do for a living. I go to the show ring with adorable little girls and we're all admired. So he said, what's there to not like? You know, what, what, why would they think this is a problem for me? Let's keep doing it, of course. Uh, why not show with what he said? Unlike the little Bentley who did not want to show, Harry had a totally different idea because he was a show-off. And that's why he was good pony at it because, you know, he basically was saying, look at me, look at me. And, uh, you know, he was safe and kind to the children, well-trained. And he's like, yeah, of course, let's keep doing this. I don't want to sit in a field and be a horse. <laughs> I'm a show pony. So... Um, Everybody felt a lot better about that because little girls were worried they were overworking him. And so they were glad that what brought them joy also brought Harry joy. And I asked the mother, I said, don't the little girls know this already? And she said, yes, they told me that Harry was fine. She goes, I was the one worrying. So kids know, you know. Um, They're intuitive, just like animals. Uh, They don't let their brains get in the way so much. I had another story that I just was totally charmed by when I did the appointment. Uh, a fellow, he lives um, on a, sort of in a rural slash area that's kind of suburban-esque, and he has a goat, and the goat's name is Simple. And uh, the goat is a trial where he lives because he doesn't really live out in like agricultural rural country. He has neighbors. And so uh, he was calling me because he wanted to know why Simple would, whenever possible, deviate from his own little pack um, and get under the fence, get over the fence, stand on top of a car to get over the fence, to maybe go to the neighbors, to maybe eat their flowers or do goatly things. Like goats like to chew on things and drag them around like trophies. So he would get laundry. He would get toys from the kid's backyard of the kids on the other side of the fence and sort of drag them around and bring them over to his paddock and leave them there. It was laughing really hard listening to this. So the goat's name was Simple. And so 
he loved to possess. He was very possessive and territorial, and he wanted, he liked those kids. So he wanted those kids to come over. Goats are smart. And so he thought if he took some of the things that were important to the kids, the kids would look for them, look and find out that Simple lived as a neighbor and that he could maybe have those kids too, like they could be my friends. So he had this whole idea that if I just take everybody's stuff and bring it into me, I'll get lots of company because I love company. (laughs) I want everybody to be in my life. So he was fearless and completely curious. So I said, Thomas, does that resonate with you? I could tell Thomas was sort of hearing me but wondering if I was nuts and but also hearing that this was apparently how the animal act. He didn't tell me much about what Simple was doing wrong. Simple showed me what he was doing wrong, which had to do with gathering everybody's stuff and bringing it into his place. So uh, Thomas is an introvert, so he has no desire to have Um, everybody else's stuff anywhere near him and he was raised by a mother that emphasized the idea of don't be a bother Thomas keep to yourself and be polite let other people have their space so I said to him well it's funny that you picked a pet that is destined to defy your mother's idea of how you should be because simple's only joy is actually to be in everybody else's space and actually get the kick out of goats have senses of humor through pigs a lot of dogs do horses do but goats are very funny creatures and simple was sort of jerking his chain and thinking it was funny because thomas would be horrified because then he'd have to call the neighbor and go your kid stuff is in my goat's paddock or you know i know he's over there again eating your flowers i'll be there in a few minutes um so i said well do you think that simple might be showing you a different way that you could be other than what your mother told you to be like do you like your neighbors and thomas was good natured and let me kind of prod him and ask him those questions and he said actually i do because i would never go over there otherwise and introduce myself or start a conversation at the fence invite him over for a beer but when i go over there to get thomas's or to get simple stuff out of the yard they usually ask me if i want to stay and eat or you know they invite me out of their deck and he said actually it's kind of made us all laugh and simple sort of brought us together and i said well do you want to be more social because that seems to me what simple's point is is you could find some joy with other people if you wanted to versus that voice in your head which was your mother's which said keep to yourself and be a good boy and uh you know he shared that with me readily um because he was ready to lose that whole thing he was ready to put that in the rearview mirror and start to have some more fun with his life and be more social and let other people for him teach him a little bit more about having fun and being careless and reckless and silly uh so simple was you know right where he was supposed to be in thomas's life right showing him how to do that and what that means Uh, so thomas's resolution had to do with trusting himself to be just himself in front of people instead of feeling like he had to uh, be careful in other people's presences because he might be judged harshly because his parents judged him harshly so he really saw that about himself and made some changes I've I've actually worked with them a lot over the years those two Um, very happy to see evolution occur um another another good story is with another show horse that i i talked to a couple times a year um for a long time this woman purchased uh pristine and linda purchased pristine was the name of the horse and linda purchased pristine to be a 
a show horse. Uh, Linda always wanted to be able to show horses and oh, admired it. Just thought it was the coolest thing and didn't grow up economically um, so that she could do that. So as an adult, she thought, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I really want to do that. So she bought a young horse, Pristine, and had it with a trainer. And the trainer was teaching the horse to be a show horse. And um, they were starting to have success at very low-level stuff. And Linda was thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm doing my dream, the thing I never imagined I could afford. This is just way too cool. Um, Kind of hard, but I work hard at it. We have a trainer. We school the horse. I have a professional who ride the horse once a week. Uh, we, you know, we take formal lessons every week and grill ourselves on our weaknesses so that we'll be up to snuff so that we can do this performance stuff, the show horse stuff. So she said Pristine started out liking the training, but suddenly in the last, say, six months, there had been a string of events where Pristine had dropped out of the action and had become... Um, difficult. She didn't want to go in the ring. She would go to jump a fence and instead of jumping it, she'd stop and Linda fell off and broke her wrist. There were a couple incidences where the horse looked like she wanted to do it and then suddenly changed her mind. So she wanted to know what was up with Pristine. Was she uncomfortable or what was going on? So Pristine said, well, (laughs) we aren't very good. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, my form is awful. Um, I can't keep my knees square over the fence. It hurts my shoulders to do it. I'm just not very good at it. So I'm not really sure why we're doing this because it's just disappointing. I don't even think it's that much fun. Um, So Linda was dead quiet because this has been a project for like three years, right, that she's worked hard at, made goals for, made resolutions. So uh, Linda said, well, it's kind of true. It is hard work, and it's true we're not we aren't that good. She said I'm really not a very good rider, and Pristine said to me it's true she's not a good rider, and then Pristine said and I'm just a very average horse. So if I'm going to be able to do this level she wants me to do, I need a better rider. I'm great when the trainer's on me, but when Linda's on me she doesn't quite help me enough, and I'm, I'm not good enough to do it on my own. So I don't know why we're doing something that's disappointing. So that's why I'm letting her know I don't really want to do it. So Linda, I, she was kind of mad at first, you know, and then she got thinking about it. And she thought, well, it's true. We are, we do sort of suck. We're not good. That's what she said. And that we both kind of, you know, she sounded like she was going to cry when she said it. And then she started to kind of laugh. But I said, well, say something more encouraging about yourself than that. And she said, well, we've done a lot for how bad we are, and we are pretty bad. And the truth is, it's kind of a lot of work to maintain this whole thing, this whole idea. It's not really me. I wasn't raised with enough, uh, like as a kid, you know, when you practice, practice, practice as a kid, you get good at things. She said, I didn't start it till I was 40, so no wonder I'm not very good at it. I said, well, what if you two just decided to maybe make a plan that had to do more about what would be fun, more trail rides? Christine loved that idea. Maybe go to a show once in a while and keep it fun, but don't make yourselves try to be the next better version of yourselves all the time if you're both just not that interested in getting better because it's just... Not what you're good at. It'd be like me, an animal communicator, deciding I'm going to make a goal of being a better mathematician. I mean, I'm terrible at math. It's not how my brain works. I tried that in college, and it turns out, because they didn't have animal communication classes in college, right? So I tried to fit into a lot of um, square pegs when I was round. Tried to make myself learn how to do things that were hard for me to do because my brain 
I mean, I could do them and spit them out, but they didn't bring me any joy. I got the right grade, and then I quickly forgot about the whole topic as fast as I could because I hated it. So it's about knowing what makes you passionate and what makes you feel delighted with your life. And if you have to try hard, you probably don't really want to do it. How's that for an idea? Just embrace being yourself. I don't really like to go jogging, but I sure do like to hum when I go for a little walk along the road. Good. Go do that then. Be in who you're supposed to be, not who everybody else thinks you should be. So ask yourself to be determined really to be yourself. Stay in the flow. Forget about what you should do and start to do things for the delight of them. Say, what do I want to do? What do I want to spend time on? Spend a little effort in that area. What makes me happy? And that's what your resolution should be about. And let your animals around you, no doubt, will point out to you many hints about that, which is delightful to participate and have partners with them teaching you about you. So thank you so much for listening again. I appreciate it so much. My new phone number is... I have to look it up. I don't even know it. 207-449-5955. That's how you reach me and reach Karen to get an appointment with me or kcline2011 at gmail.com. You're listening to Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. Thanks so much. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining Animal Connections with Laura Rowley. Heard every Friday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Join Laura next time to discover how you can embrace the wisdom flowing from your loved animals. Communication starts with an intention to understand. Each week, Laura helps you find your own unique ability to create a better understanding of yourself as taught through the loving eyes of your animals. To connect with Laura Rowley, go to laurarowleyhealer.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-R-O-W-L-E-Y healer.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.